But for a few minutes, I want to continue what I was speaking to you last week, at least uh, not the exact same message, but from the same theme, chosen for greatness. How many people were here last week? How many people believe that you're, you are chosen for greatness? How many believe that you were in him before the foundations of the world was? If you don't believe it, and if you don't know, now you know. I need to, I need to stop right here and say this because I said I would. Um, thank you for giving. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being faithful to give. You guys over the last three months have given more than the previous 12 months together. That's a big thing. And, yeah. Yep. And uh, I used to tell people when we'd have people call, and I've had several that have messaged and said about coming in, like, we're not a large-budget church. So the Lord stopped me and said, you'll never be if you keep saying that. <laughs> but to do big things in the kingdom, it takes money. It's just the way this, this world operates. And um, We've done fundraisers, and we've got one coming up. My friend right here, G, is uh, this guy. He cuts our hair, my boy's hair and our hair, and has. I guess I met him about a year ago. He's going to, he's going to, is it at your shop this week you're doing this? At his shop this week, he's going to cut hair and donate the proceeds from haircuts to the building fund of this church. He told, as a matter of fact, you can tell him, Mr. when he called me and texted me and told me, I said, man, you got to feed your family. He said, look, my family's fed, and I pay my bills ahead of time. I need to do this. And uh, I think he may even have some posters. It's, we're going to share it on our Facebook page. Uh, but if you need a haircut, and I'm looking at you, you're good-looking people, but some of y'all could use a wig trim. You know what I'm saying? Even if you don't think you can, believe me, when you get out of his chair, you're going to know you've been touched by those anointed hands because his hands are anointed to cut. So go and see G this week. Go and see Gabe. And uh, it will be a blessing to him. It definitely would be a blessing to the church. And uh, I appreciate you for that. That's, that's huge, man. Thanks so much. It, it's, uh, what's, what's the address? I know it's on Springs Road. Right near Saint C 3463 Springs Road. It is in Hickory, but it's not a bad drive. You can, you can go, uh, we go back roads. You can go up 40 and get off at, uh, what is it, 128 or 131 or something like that. But it's not hard to find. Two or three turns in there, it's right on Springs Road. If you know the Springs Road flea market, there used to be a drive-in movie theater. It's real close to there. And near Cool Park, I know all of you know Cool Park, because all of you act a fool when you get out on that big diving board at Cool Park. I've seen you at Zach's party last year. So he's close to there. Thank you for that. So God's going to bless that. What the Lord does, he takes what little bit we have. He breathes his breath on it, and little becomes big. Just what he does. He says stuff to Moses like, put your stick over this water, which is absolutely absurd. But Moses did what he could do, and then God did what only God could do. You know? He spoke to his son and said, spit in the dirt and put that, put that mud on somebody's eyes. That sounds ridiculous until the person that was blind sees. Then it's no longer ridiculous. So you do what you can do and let God do what only he can do. He's, we had uh, about a month ago when we did the, uh, uh, the online bake auction, I think is what it was, we had a man that came in and said, the Lord, told me to, uh, the Lord told me to match whatever came in. And he said these words. He said, and the Lord told me to release a spirit of multiplication on this church. And I'm telling you, if it, is, it has happened, it has absolutely happened. God has just been blessing and blessing and blessing. And what I want to do is take that blessing, anything that you receive by God, then you have the ability to give that away. And I want that blessing to go on every individual and family in here that's connected to this church. In the name of Jesus, I declare the multiplied blessing upon your life in Jesus' name. They're raffling off baskets today. They're raffling the baskets right out back. I think Vicky and Barbie and God knows who else. I don't know everybody, but they're putting these things together. Go, go back there and... Uh, and, and, and get you a raffle ticket or 17.
And this coming Saturday, that's right, this coming Saturday, so many of you have donated towards the yard sale we're going to have Saturday. Uh, Rebecca's heading that out. Rebecca, we call, her, we call her the queen of yard sales. Rebecca can find, she can find a needle in a haystack. And since she's so good at the, at the whole yard sale thing, she's going to head it up. She may have asked for your help, and if you're helping, I appreciate it. Many of you have donated. We've got a couple of rooms back there busting at the seams with stuff. So it's going to be a good one. There's good stuff back there. It's not just stuff people need to get rid of. It's good, it's good valuable items. So come and be a part, and if you're not selling anything, come and buy something. Or 17. Amen. Chosen for greatness. This is what I'm going to talk about for the next little bit. Chosen for greatness. Called, justified, and glorified. Romans chapter 8. Excuse me. I'm going to be real holy and take my gum and stick it in that tissue. And I don't know if y'all noticed, but that's a preacher trick. Take it. You take it, you act like you're wiping your mouth. You're really, you're really grabbing the gum. I just figured I'd make it undignified as possible up here real quick. Romans chapter 8, I'm reading from the New American Standard, starting with 18. This is Paul speaking, for I, have, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed in us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now, that's a mouthful. The freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole earth, or, or, or we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. When is now? Now is always right now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Say, thank you, Spirit, for helping my weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now listen to me very closely. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And we know that God causes all things, not all good things, not all bad things, all things, good, bad, and ugly, God wraps it all up and makes it work for our good. And here's, the, here's my key scripture this morning, 29. For those whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Called, justified, glorified. 
What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, you're going to have to help me a little bit this morning. I know I'm just reading the scripture, but Paul did a fine job of putting this together. If God is for us, it's almost a taunting statement. If God's for us, who is there that could be against us? If God already foreknew us, he had us in his mind before he set the foundations of the earth, before with his hands he took and flung the stars and the galaxies into space, before he ever said any of it, we existed in him before. And not only did he know us, but he already called us before. He called us to greatness. And because he called us, he justified us. And because he justified us, he chooses to glorify us. My God. With what is glory? Jesus prayed in the garden, chapter John 17. He said, Father, that you would glorify me now with your own self, with the glory that I had with you before the world was. And Paul is saying, this Christ, this firstborn from among the dead is also the firstborn among many brethren. So it is okay to say about other sons and daughters that he, those of us that he foreknew and, you, and he knew you and he called us and justified us and glorified us, we are to be glorified now with the glory that we had with him before the world was. That's a mouthful. But I'm talking about before there was sin, you were glorified. And before there was a curse, you were glorified. And before you messed up, you were glorified. And before Adam and Eve messed up, you were already glorified. And Jesus is in the garden saying, Father, glorify me now here in this place, in this place of death, in this place of pressing. How many people have been in a place of pressing? The garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane means the olive press or the place of pressing. Jesus was being pressed when he's praying this, but he's saying, in this, in the middle of this, all hell's breaking loose and every demon of hell is coming against me. But instead of focusing on that, I say, glorify me now with the glory that I had with you before the world was. It would be that glory that would cause his cold, dead body to get up out of the tomb in three days. And if the same glory that raised the cold dead body of Jesus dwells in you, he'll quicken your mortal body. We preach the salvation of spirit and we believe it. And we preach the salvation of soul and we believe it. But I'm believing for a glorified church with a glorified body. Spirit, soul, and body. And period. And if you can't, if you haven't heard it, you can't believe it. If you can't believe for it, you won't have it. But because you're hearing it now, you can have it. How can they believe except they hear? And how can they hear except someone go and preach it? You're hearing a word maybe you haven't heard before or maybe in a new way. But there will be a generation of people who are going to step right on over death on into glory. That's just your free part. You can take it or leave it or not like it. But for those of us that amen it, I can promise you. Those that he called, he justified. Those that he justified, he glorified. Did you know that when Jesus got up from the grave, 120 Old Testament prophets got up from, from and were seen in Jerusalem? In case you haven't read that part, it's in your Bible. Did you know that? I told, I told a group of people that in the last month, and I mean, they looked at me like, like, a, like a cow looking at a new gate. I said, it wouldn't hurt. You know that, that big leather-bound thing that you got? It wouldn't hurt to open that thing every once in a while and read it. Yeah. 
What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, if God spoke us, if God started us, he that has begun a good work in you, he's faithful to complete it. And it does not depend on your faithfulness. Not, not saying you shouldn't be faithful. Revelation is very clear. There are rewards. There are those that are called. Many are called, few are chosen, and still fewer are faithful. But, you, but your glorification has nothing to do with your faithfulness. It has everything to do with his faithfulness to complete the work that he started. You're not a word out of your mouth. You're a word out of his mouth. And every word that comes out of his mouth will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish the thing whereunto he sent it. Well, I feel feisty today. You are in trouble. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, say no. Will distress, say no. Or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all the day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. The King James says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing created will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And everybody said, you were chosen in him before. You were chosen in him before. Verse 29 says, he foreknew you. He knew you before you knew you. As a matter of fact, he knows the real you that you, not have, that you may have not become acquainted with yet. Because you know you as a, as, a, as a human doing. He understands you as a son and a daughter. And he not only sees, but he declares the end from the beginning. He knows everything about you, and most of the things that he knows about you, you probably don't know yet. And the reality is our walk in this Christian life is not about trying to do good so that we can get good. It's about God revealing himself to us and through us. And so he not only heals our image of him, but our own image of ourselves. Because the image we have of God has been so long broken. And thank God there's a generation of people now that's preaching about restoring the perfect image of the Father. But in doing that, the natural byproduct of seeing him as he is, is we begin to see ourselves as we are. It's okay, and it's wonderful to see him as he is. And I preach and believe for that. But one of the most wonderful things about understanding he's a good, good father, you're going li to like this, is you are good, good children. You're a good, good son, and you're a good, good daughter. Well, I didn't do good. I didn't call you a human doing. You're a human being. You're good because he says you're good. The Bible says that, that, that God cannot lie. Have you ever read that? It doesn't say he can't tell a lie. He can't lie, which means everything that he says happens by virtue of the fact that it came out of his mouth. If he came into this room and said that wall was lime green like it used to be, and we cast that devil out day one, Lime green, it looked like baby diaper poop green. 
Did I say that out loud? It was so bad. It was so bad. Do you, how many people saw the lime green in here? And I asked the pastor, he said, there was a sweet lady in our church that said, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm to buy the paint for this whole church. I'm going to write the check for it. He's like, that's wonderful, that's wonderful. And she said, part B, and I get to pick the colors. You know what he said? I bind you in the name of Jesus, you evil, foul spirit. If God were to come in and say that wall is black, it would become black by virtue of the fact that black came out of his mouth. It doesn't say he can't tell a lie. He can't lie. All right, let me get here because I know I got a, a little bit of time, although there is no such thing as time in this church. And every time I say that, Tammy, Tammy Fall comes up and rebukes me after church. She told me the next time I did it, she's going to take her size eight and pop. I didn't know what size it was. She didn't really say that, but essentially. She's preaching the good word. He knew you before you knew you. You were not here and are not here by accident. And your parents may not have planned you, but God did. As a matter of fact, much of your life here is waking up and discovering who you were before. Yeah. Waking up and discovering who you were before. You were made by his design, and you can be sure that whatever he starts, he completes. The issue with so many of us is we don't know who we really are. This is true. We don't know who we are. And because we don't know who we are, we don't know how to respond to people. We, we're reactive instead of responsive. And we allow culture around us and, and, and atmospheric changes around us to cause us to change within. And when you become a true son and daughter, you go to sleep in the bottom of a boat when all hell's breaking loose all around you. You never allow the storm without to influence what's going on within you. You never allow the storm that's without you influence. Jesus, I'm talking about this boat was getting rocked so much that professional fishermen were afraid of the storm. Now, that's a storm and a half. What's Jesus doing? Taking a nap. I'm telling you, there's something holy about taking a nap. I'm going to have one this afternoon, so help me God. I'll be laying before, don't call me, I'll be laying before God. My eyes will be closed. I'll be in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I'll come out that spirit real quick if you bother me from about 2.30 to about 3.17. I only get about 45 or 47 minutes. Elizabeth's going to come use the bathroom. And our doors are, are cursed with the spirit of creakiness. She'll try her best. To, have you ever, you ever seen the meme on, on uh, Facebook where the husband's trying to be quiet and he's dressed like a ninja? When the wife tries to be quiet, she's got like, like a big tuba. <sighs> That's Elizabeth. Where are you going to be? Isaac's game. Now, thank you, God, for soccer. See, that's why I paid this crazy money for that boy to play. You think I care about him playing? I don't care about him playing. I care about my nap. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, man, I need some holy anointing. Oh, where's it? This rub might not work. Where's Jackie? Jackie, get me some oil for my hinges. Our issue is that many of us don't know who we really are. And until we see him as he is, there's a, there's a scripture that says that at his appearing, we will be like him for we will see him as he is. It's not his appearing necessarily that makes us like him. It's our becoming like him that causes him to appear. Mm -hmm. When we see him as he is, then we begin to see ourselves as we really are. And, there, and that, that's the reason that I'm so hard against those that preach the, the angry, ticked off, you know, jealous, wrathful. Look, you, you have your space. That's fine. You know, but, but he's been painted in such that corner that people are terrified to approach him. 
They're terrified to approach him, and they don't want to come near him because any time they mess up, he, they just think he's going to whack them on. I mean, he just said, if he didn't even withhold his only son, you're called, and he wants you to be justified and glorified. But my God, you need to hear the calling first. Here's the calling. You're holy. You're pure. You're what I said you are. He, who told you you were naked? Who told, who in the world, I didn't say, essentially what the Lord was implying when he came to Adam and said, who told you you were naked is, that didn't come from my mouth. I'm not the one that told you that. We judge ourselves by what we've done, but God sees us for who we are. So, so who are we and how do we become who he says we are? You are not what you have done. Listen to me. You are who God says you are. And to see that, you need to do what Paul says in 4, Ephesians 23. Ephesians 4, 23. Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewed literally means to be renovated or remodeled. Remember, I preached tr I tr transformation by renovation. Anybody remember that message? Paul says, be you not conformed into the patterns of this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. What he said was, God wants to bring transformation, but the transformation will not take place until the way you think is remodeled. Because this stinking thinking that says, I'm no good and I've messed up and, and then you become suspicious about everyone else because we project on other people feelings of our own insecurities. What's worse yet, we project on God our own feeling of insecurity and unworthiness and think that he must think about me the way that I think about me. And the flip side of that is, God wants you to think about you what he thinks about you. And he says you're called and justified and he wants you to be glorified. Amen. The word renewed is renovated, remodeled. It's an ananeu. You look it up in your Greek in your concordance, 303. It's a derivative of 3505. It means to renovate. To renovate. You ever, you ever, you ever remodeled a house? It, you, you, you will never remodel a house just taking new material in and, and adding it. You've got to tear some stuff down. And most of the time when you start tearing stuff down in an old house, that, that let's, not, let's not disparage the house. The house is still standing, but it needs to have some changes. That's the way our mindsets are. It's, a, it's not that the mind itself is bad, but the way that we process things is bad. And so what you got to do before you put up new drywall, sometimes you're going to have to tear that old stuff down. And you turn it, sometimes you'll find on the back of drywall you'll have black mold, which will cause breathing issues. Did you know that? Respiratory issues. I'm, I'm speaking spiritually. Are you listening to me? You can't feel the spirit because you haven't had your mind renewed. And that black mold that's in your brain, that, that's in your mind, that's telling you I'm, not, I'm unworthy and I'm not good and there is none good and no one else is good and nothing else and everything's against me. You need to have that mess torn out and taken out so that you can and have your mind renewed, renovated, bring in new things. How do you do it? With the, you, with the washing of water by the word. And the word is this. Jesus is the word of God. Yes, I believe the Bible's the word, but the only proper lens through which we can understand the Bible is, the, is through Jesus Christ, his life. 
Because if you take Jesus out of the Bible, you can justify murder and you can justify genocide and you can justify slavery. But through the lens of the life of Christ, you can see that God has always been good. He's always been for you and he was willing to sacrifice his only begotten son that if you would just believe it, you don't have to perish. And I'm not talking about in Dante's Inferno one day. Some of you perish day to day. You, you, you've locked yourself up in a hell of your own, of your own unbelief and your own, and your, on your own mindset. I'm here, to, I'm here today to do what Jesus did 2,000 years. I'm coming to preach some people up out of hell. To tell you you're free. You're free. You're holy. You're righteous. You're redeemed. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. You're called unto greatness. Those that he foreknew, he called. Can you hear him? Two of you. Two of you hear him. Uh, well, that's good. I saw a hand and two yes. Anybody else hear him? Can you hear him? You hear him? What has he called us to? Is it to preach or stand behind a podium? No. You're called unto greatness. You were chosen in him before the foundations of the earth. Now, think about that. It's incredible to think that before God had galaxies and stars and planets on his mind, you were on his mind. If he went through such great uh, detail to create you, do you not think that he sees and knows and wants to bring you into the fullness of your own purpose? Called to live in his kingdom, the sons and daughters of the resurrected king, you are called to live free. Called means literally to call or to urge on. Our Father is urging us on. He's literally standing there cheering you on. Did you know that? He cheers you on. Yesterday, I had three soccer games to go to. One to coach, one to watch, slash coach, and a third to watch, slash coach. I'm one of those parents. I sit on the sidelines completely and utterly professional and then two minutes into the game I lose all dignity call the foul ref my god you know, that's me that's me call the foul ref that's my kid or dare I say call the walk on Zion my god I know you love him but god can you call a walk on the guy he's not James Harden <laughs> we bind that Jamie Lucky bound it the referee the other night. I'm just kidding. I, I know there's some Duke fans in here. Look, we cast out devils up in Truvine. I'm going to tell you. Blue devils and all other sorts of devils. We cast them out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Isaac, yesterday, Isaac plays goalkeeper. Which is, Jason played for me. He played the first game. His team won 9-0. It was a good game. Rachel's team wins 2-1. Two, two to one. She scores 2. Isaac, I go and watch him play down in Charlotte. And this kid just, just blasts the ball. I mean, he had a cannon for a leg. Literally. And <laughs> my wife is funny. I, I got to share this with you since I said that. There was a guy on ESPN a couple years ago, and he said, this guy literally has a, a rocket for an arm. And Elizabeth said, no, he literally doesn't. And it got me to thinking, it's kind of weird when people use the word literally figuratively. I mean, the guy didn't have a rocket for an arm, <laughs> literally. Anyways, anyway, this kid blasts the ball. Sometimes I chase squirrels. 
And Isaac just, he just jumps. I got a picture of it on Facebook. His, uh, one of his coaches, David Ivey, took the picture. I mean, his feet are like this high, and he just get his fingertips on it enough to knock it over. Man, I lost my mind. That's my boy, Isaac. That's my boy. Way to go, son. You can do it again. That is what the Bible is saying God says about you when he calls you. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. That's my kid. You're good. You're good. Come on, do it. That, that's the kind of father that he is. I didn't sit back and go, he could, he could have made that say better. Don't God, for God's sake, cover up, his, cover up the name on his jersey. No. That, that's my boy. And when he got scored on, you know what I said? Isaac, pick your head up, son. You're good. Pick your, it's all right, son. Pick your head up. Get him next time. It's the same thing the father says. If you mess up, it's all right. Pick your head up. Look at me. See me for where I am and see you for who you are. You're going to do it. You're going to win. You're going to be successful. You're called to greatness. You're chosen for greatness. You've been kept and preserved for today. And because I'm the one that called you, I will pull you into your purpose. If you'll ever see yourself as you are, if you'll ever let me renovate your mind. He literally cheers us on. He wants you to see the you that you were meant to be. He wants you to see the you that you were meant to be. Once you hear the call, you see that you've been justified. My dad gave the best definition of justified I've ever heard. Justified is just as if I'd never sinned. Justified, just as if I'd never messed up. Just as if I'd never done wrong. Just as if I'd never, whatever. You're justified. He justified you by his own blood. Justified. And those whom he justified, let me back up. Let me, I, you got you to hear this. He knows the moment we hear him calling us to greatness that we will question, how can you use me considering what I've done? The first question that's going to come is, it's the same serpent that presented itself to Eve, hath God said? It's the same spirit that energized the, the serpent in the wilderness that said to Jesus, if you be the son of God. He's questioning identity. Every time you see that ugly snake rearing its head, the snake questions identity. Are you really that? Are you really what God says you are? Are you really holy? And it's going to happen. The moment you hear him calling, there'll be a secondary voice saying, but did he really say that God must not know what you did? Because, but those that, he, those that he called, he also justified. He literally renders you innocent of all charges, free, equitable, and holy. That's what the word justified means in your, in your dictionary. Here's the judgment. The, the, the judge, the Lord of all the earth, he sits on his throne of judgment, and they say, what do we say about this one? And he says this. You're rendered innocent of all charges. You're free. You're equitable, and by the way, you're also holy. So take those shackles off him, and take those shackles off his feet, because you can leave this courtroom today free, 100% free, record expunged. My God. Those whom he justified, he glorified. Now, once you've heard the call, and once you've had your mind renovated, so that you can see yourself as you are, now comes the glory. The word glorified comes from the Greek word, 
doxadzo, it's, it's Greek 1391. It means to render glorious, to make glorious, to make full of glory, to have honor, to be magnified. He literally fills you with his own glory in the same way that Jesus says, now, Father, glorify me with your own self, with thine own. Go read John chapter 17. Go home today and read it. It'll blow your mind. Jesus praying. And I mean, this... Bishop Johnson, Bishop Charles Johnson took me across the earth. I went to India with him. I went across the continent of Africa with him. I was in Mexico with him, Canada with him. I've been all over the world with this man. And he went to Jerusalem for his first time. And he said, he, for whatever reason, he said, I've always wanted to go. And he said, you know, the most holy place I went wasn't the garden tomb. Oh, I mean, wasn't the, wasn't the tomb. It wasn't even the cross. And I'm like, what? Because I always thought, you know, I want to I see the, the empty tomb. We know, but I just, you know, it's not going to shake my faith if I never see it, although I will. And I would think, because there were two or three different places they say it could be, and I just go to all of them just to make sure I get my bases cut. Crucified here. He said, no, the place that I stood and wept like a, like a little child was when I went into the Garden of Gethsemane. Because it was there that Jesus would bow down and say, not my will. It was such a heavy load. He says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, with Jesus, it's always nevertheless. Not my will. Your will be done. On those same knees in that same gritty gravel of that garden is where he would say, Father, glorify me now with thine own self with the glory that I had with you before the world was. And it would be those words from that mouth in that garden that would come into that tomb and hover over that cold, dead body, bloodless, lifeless body, until at once the firstborn <laughs> of all brethren, the firstborn of the new creation, would for the first time gasp and breathe in not the breath of the earth, but breathe in the spirit of the living God because he honored the prayer when he said, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world was. Would to God sons and daughters would say, Father, glorify us now with the glory that we had with you before the world was. That not even death, Acts 2.24, it was impossible that Jesus could be held by death. It wasn't even possible. There was no match for his love. There's no match for his glory. And those that he calls, he justifies. And those that he justifies, he glorifies that not even death can hold you or touch you. My God, what a, what a work. What a completed, finished work that he's done. And the way that you access it is to have your mind renovated to believe the reality that you are a new creation, that you are a son of God, that you are a daughter of God. You're not a dirty, rotten anything. You're a son of the glorified God. Uh, I have no problem being undignified today. I know that I've been called and I know that I'm justified and I know that I'm being glorified. Glorified means to be filled with magnificence, splendor, majesty, beauty, and greatness. You're not a sinner saved by grace. If you say that, stop saying it. 
Pick one, sinner or saved by grace, but you're not both. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but now you're saved by grace. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner, but now you're saved by grace. My identity is no longer sin or sinfulness. My identity is called and justified and glorified. This is who I am. You're chosen for greatness. You're called, justified, and glorified. Activate that reality today. William, help me out, man. Awaken to the truth. What I've been trying to do today is, with some of my words, I've been pulling down some old, dirty, rotten boards and some old, dirty, rotten sheetrock. And then with some of my words, I'm bringing in new material. With some of my words and with half of my time, I want to tear down a whole bunch of, of nonsense and a of stinking thinking and rotten mess, but with the other half of my words, I wanted to bring in new heavenly glorified material. Wait a minute. You, because maybe, maybe just maybe some, somebody in here might actually begin to believe I'm justified. He called me. You can hear him calling. Because those that he calls, he justifies. Now that I'm justified, that's not enough. You're going to glorify me with your own self? You're going to Share your glory with me? You're going to let me be called by your name? Identified with you. You're not ashamed to be identified with me, but you're a good father that's cheering me on, saying, you can do it. It's all right. Pick your head up. I haven't forgotten about you. I'm not, you know what I tell my kids? I, I'm, I'm the, if there's one thing that I do well, I empower my kids. Before they go to their sports, I look at them because they're all, all children need to be encouraged and they need to have their nurture or their, or their nature set by their father. They need someone speaking their life saying, yes, you can, you can do it. And not suggesting mothers can't do it, but there's something special about a father doing that. And I look at him and say, Isaac, for instance, he started, the, his team goes up into Premier League this, this year playing kids that are nationally ranked. They played the number three team in South Carolina a few weeks back. And they got beat something like six or seven or nothing. And you know what I did when they got in the car? I tell you what I didn't do. I didn't turn around and say, my God, you stunk it up today. You dirty, rotten, filthy little rat. You ought to beg my forgiveness to be even called by my name. But that's what they preach God's like. He's not like that, but that's what they say he's like. They're like the God they worship, but he's not like the Abba of Jesus. You know what I said to him? I said, boy, we came home that night. Lizzie and I were in the bed. Isaac came in there and he... Isaac, Isaac's like me. He wears, he wears his, his feelings on his shoulders a lot. When he loses, man, he takes it hard, hard. I told you, they lost a basketball game one night. Jacob drops like 30-some points, and Isaac had 16. And he, Jacob's like, man, we did good. And he said, Jacob, obviously I'm not in a good mood. We lost. Leave me alone. You know, he's, he's like that. Jacob's like, whatever, dude. I dropped 30, you know. <laughs> Isaac's not that way. If he loses, he can't. He don't know how to. I pulled him. I said, come in here, boy. He came and got in the bed because it, it was the second major loss they had taken. I said, let me tell you something. I said, there's not a kid out there that has one more leg than you have. I said, there's not a kid out there that's got more arms than you've got. There's not a kid out there that's got a better mind than you've got. I said, let me tell you something else, boy. you got my blood running in your veins. And I was never afraid to play anybody in anything. Not suggesting I was the greatest, but you would have thought I was by the way I talked about myself. 
I played soccer. I played on a, on a very high level. We played tournaments in Augusta. And my team, I didn't go with them to Texas and California, all over the place. We were, we, we were nationally ranked. We were incredible. We were state champions. And I said, let me tell you something. Boy, you got my blood in your veins, and I'm a winner, and you're a winner by virtue of the fact that Josh Bunton is inside of you. Now, you go out there. Your team needs a leader. They lost their leader. He went to a different. I said, they need a, you need to stand up and play. I'm not bragging on Isaac. I'm trying to make a point, although I am bragging on him, and I'm not ashamed to do it. Your team's waiting for somebody to stand up and be a leader. And my God, if that next day that boy didn't play the best game he's ever played in his life, and that was reiterated by every parent and every coach on the sidelines. As a matter of fact, one coach came up to him and said, or one of the fathers said, you're the reason we're in this league. What you did today speaks to your whole team of what can be done. Nothing changed about him. He didn't grow overnight. His legs didn't get longer. He didn't get stronger. His skill set did not even change. So if you think you need to increase your skill set to, to be what I'm telling you, to be called, justified, and glorified, no. What changed was his, his father began to show him and tell him what his true idea. I said, you are a winner, Isaac. You are a winner. Now go out there and help your team win. And he believed me. He believed me so much that it impacted him and impacted his whole team. And guess what? They won. to preach to a whole lot of you this morning you're a winner you're not a loser you're not a sinner you're not an old wretched flesh you're a son and a daughter of God you're a winner you're not a tail you're the head you're above you're not beneath you're glorified you're justified you're called you are called by his name do you think God's a loser if he's not a loser how dare you think you are I don't care if you don't have 13 cents in your bank or your $600 in the negative and your car's got three flat tires or you're riding on Maypops. You know, Maypop brand. Your tires may pop at any minute. Doesn't matter. You're a winner. You're chosen for greatness. He chose you before the foundations of the earth and preserved you for this time. Do you know that from the prophets on through, every great man of the Bible, including the New Testament apostles, everything that God has done, did you know when those men left the earth, their anointing stayed, and that anointing has been compounding from then until now? You are literally living in the greatest time that has ever been. My, oh, my job is just simply to get you to see yourself as you really are. You're a winner. And your heavenly father saying, come on, come on. Believe it. Believe it. Hear my call. Hear my call. You're justified. You're not that nasty, dirty one. You're justified. And the moment that you hear the call and that you believe that you're justified, boom, then comes the glory. Then you're glorified. Then you walk and sickness can't stand. Then your shadow passing on people on the streets causes them to get up and believe. You'll become a spiritual optimist. Everything around you will just go well. You'll sleep when the storm is going around you because the storm around you will never become a storm within when you're called, justified, and glorified. Let's all stand. Thank you for bearing with me. Those whom he called, he justified, and those whom he justified, he did glorify. I'm going to pray with you. I'm asking you to pray with me. I don't, I don't do the whole repeat what I say 
a whole lot, especially not with prayer, because I feel like if you're just repeating a phrase, that's all you've done. Not coming from your heart. There's no power in any of that. I don't care who says it. I don't care. But I do want you to think about what you're saying when you say these words. Everybody, I want you to close your eyes right now. Nobody looking around. I'm not, this ain't even about quote coming to get saved. I, you need to be saved from a stinking mindset a whole lot more than you do Dante's Inferno. Listen to me. Say this. Father, glorify me now with the glory that I had with you before the world was. Help me to see myself as you see me. Help me to hear your calling to see myself justified so that I might be glorified. And being glorified, I would bring glory to you and your kingdom. Amen. That might be the most powerful prayer you ever prayed. And for those of you that said it with all your heart, I can't wait to see, because you're chosen for greatness, what great things God does through you. I'm finished. Chosen for greatness. Chosen in Him before the world was. Called before the world was. Justified before there was ever a sin. And glorified. Amen. Amen. How great thou art. Amen, brother. How great thou art. Father, thank you for this people. I pray that the, the rotten boards be thrown away and burned with fire. I pray that the, the wall coverings, Lord, that have black mold on the backside will be torn away, thrown away. That the lies and the deceit and religiosity, Lord, would be taken out and burned with fire. And the only thing that would remain would be your living breath and your living word. Help us to renovate our minds. Help us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for coming today. True Vine, man, I love you. I love this church. I mean it. I love every one of you.